This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Lord, we just pray that as we open your word and as we listen to your spirit, that there would be something, uh, Lord, we're not asking for anything loud or whatever, but we're just asking that your still small voice would speak to us today. Lord, we've, we've come. We don't want to waste time here. This is not a country club. This is not a, a place where we gather just for fellowship. It's not a place where we come for entertainment, but it's a place where we come to hear from you. Lord, sometimes the services are more loud and amens and more boisterous, but it seems like today is just kind of a very calm atmosphere where... I believe it's going to be really easy for us to listen to your voice. And again, Lord, just don't let there be any distractions that would hinder the Holy Spirit from working. I pray this in your precious, wonderful name, the name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. You know, one of the fads in our country today is the wearing of personal fitness devices. And these are high-tech devices that tell you how many steps you take per day, how many flights of stairs you go up, how many calories you burn, how many active aerobic minutes you engage in throughout the day, etc., etc. And over the past two to three years, four years, I mean, it has been a major fad in in our country, and uh, millions of Americans have gotten one for Christmas or for a birthday, or they've just gone out and bought them for themselves. And uh, just for curiosity, and I've seen several of you wearing them on, on your wrist, but how many of you have or have had, seems like these things are kind of cheaply made, they don't always last very long, but how many of you have or have had one of those personal fitness devices? Uh, just, just go ahead and put up your hands. Why don't you go ahead and stand, okay? I, I want to just see how many people are as crazy as what I think. Uh, yeah, there we go. There you are. All right, okay. Uh, how many of you... Uh, have already broken, that, that they're broken. Just raise your hand if they're no good. Okay, several of you. Okay, thanks. Uh, you, can, you can be seated there. And, and, and I'm one of you as well. Uh, four years ago, someone gave me one. And, of course, that was long enough ago to where that, that's kind of like a dinosaur of these. Uh, uh, that's almost like those little things you used to wear, you know, clicking. You had to set your, your steps to it. But, anyway, mine is a Fitbit One. You wear it on your belt, and, and, and I still wear it. I have it on me right now. And, and I've loved wearing it because when I go mountain climbing, you know, it tells me how many steps, flights of steps I've climbed. And, you know, I'll get into some just massive amount of, of, of steps. It's pretty cool. Now, the number of footsteps that I, that I, that I take each day on, on average varies in a typical week. And, and, and my Fitbit sends me every Monday morning uh, by email, it sends me a summary of my weekly activities. And so I know exactly what I've done. Uh, but a typical week for me, and as you boil it down to the average each day, and of course I play racquetball, do my regular duties at the church, work around the house or farm. Normally I, I do an average of about eleven to 12,000 steps per day, which ends up being around five miles or so each day. Now, I realize many of you do much more than that. You laugh, uh, you know, at how little that is. Uh, but probably some of you, uh, for various reasons, you walk less than that. But here's where I want to go with this. Let's say that the average person in this church, and I think in this service because we've got a younger crowd as a whole, but let's say that the average person walks 
5,000 steps per day. Now, if you don't have one of those personal fitness devices, you say, man, that sounds like a lot of steps. It really isn't. If, if you're just halfway active, well, you're going to get to 5,000 each day. Um, but, but let's say that the average is 5,000 per person here. For the person who lives to be 75 years of age and has an average step length of two to two and a half feet, which is pretty typical, they, uh, they, they say that uh, they will walk for their lifetime, they will walk nearly 60,000 miles for their lifetime. And, and to put that in perspective, 60,000 miles adds up to a little over two times around this big planet of ours that we call Earth. Now, the question that hopefully will provoke some thought today is what if 10 to 20 extra steps per day, and, and I think most all of us can do that, but if 10 to 20 additional steps per day could help impact someone's eternal destiny from hell to heaven, would you be willing to take a few extra steps per day. Now, let me explain where we're headed. Over the past month or so, as I've been on the injured reserve list because of my torn retina, I've been, I've been praying and just uh, seeking God where He wanted us to go as a church after I got clearance from my doctor. And, and I did this week to at least resume a limited amount of activity, whatever that means. But, but I've been praying, and, and, and I'm not one that carelessly says, well, God told me to do this. I, you know, I, I'm very cautious, and I know some people say that, and, and they're probably closer to God than I'll ever be. But, but I'm very careful when I say that, because I think sometimes we blame God for things that we shouldn't. But, but, but after praying the last month or so, I believe He's quickened my mind and, and quickened my heart to begin a, a new sermon series entitled, Just a Few Steps. And through this series, I, I, I just want to lay it out to you here at the very beginning. I want to challenge you to begin a lifestyle of taking a few extra steps per day. Now, this is not for the purpose of exercise and, you know, probably wouldn't hurt most of us to do that. But these extra steps that, that I'm challenging you to take are for the purpose of impacting people for Jesus Christ. Or what has been referred to down through the years as evangelism. Now, I know that for some of you, just hearing the word evangelism sends terror up your spine. And, and because of what we, we've seen, and, and you've got visions of your pastor asking you to go to the rock wall, stand on the rock wall during the Elder Springs picnic, and just yelling out, you know, judgment is coming, or the end is near, or, or, or turn or burn. But let me just say, without stutter, without stammer, that is not true evangelism. Unfortunately, too many times we've twisted evangelism and, and made it something that I believe at times embarrasses God. And so the evangelism that we're going to look at in this series has no turn or burn statements. It has no demands for huge chunks of memorized information, no formulas, no memorized scripts. It's, it, it's natural. Anyone can do it. And we see it in the Bible as just taking a few steps across the room or across the street or across the store. And in the next few weeks, Lord willing and Lord helping us, we will learn how to pray 
what to pray, how to talk with people who need a normal Christian to talk to them in a normal way without sounding churchy or judgmental or talking about things they don't yet appreciate or or understand. Now, as we learn together how to do this, I I offer a few, few personal guarantees and and, and actually, you know, the word guarantee is probably a little bit strong, but let, let me just say I offer you some assurances. And first, as we do this together, and I, I, I'm believing that we will do this together, I assure you that we will all grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, there's something I found in my personal life that when I share Christ with someone, I draw closer to Jesus. The second assurance is that we will grow in our relationships with each other. You know, when we're in the trenches together, working towards the same cause, we draw closer to each other. Thirdly, we will get better at pointing people to Christ. You know, practice may not make us perfect, but it does make us better. And finally, we will have an absolute ball doing this. You know, this is not like taking nasty medicine. Sharing Christ isn't something that we should dread doing Rather, it's like that scripture that says, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. We're going to have an amazing time together. So are you in? Are you in? Are you? Yeah. Some of you are a little apprehensive. You don't trust your pastor yet after 22 years. (laughs) But let's just throw ourselves into what Christ gave his life for. Sometime back, I was reading a book. And in this book, there was a true story about a man who was living far from God. But one day, his entire world was dramatically changed because a follower of Christ touched his life. And you'll never guess how it all began. By just taking a few steps. Now, before I tell the story, let let me help jumpstart our minds by giving you kind of a parallel scenario that could very easily take place here in Cedar County. I want you to pay attention to this. See if you can relate. We're at a gathering. Let's just say we're at the Leaper building downtown. This is a non-religious gathering. There are some church people there, but it's not a church event. Now, as people have walked in, they've asked everybody to put their name on a name tag and stick it on. Well, while everybody's just walking around, socializing, chit-chatting, munching on finger foods, all of a sudden... You get that sense that there's somebody in there you don't know. Off standing by himself in the corner is a man. Now, this man is dark complected. In fact, he's African-American. Now, let me just call a timeout and say that there are actually different variables we could have plugged in here. Instead of this man being African-American, we could have described him as a meth dealer or a meth addict that had just been in a drug bust a few weeks earlier, or it could even be that wealthy person that many times tends to get ignored by the common person. But for our fictitious story today, we'll just say that he was African-American. Now, you know how our minds work. Immediately because of this man's skin color, you assume that he's from out of town. Well, as you walk near him to talk with a friend that's across the room, you're a bit shocked You get close enough and you look at his name tag and it says Abdul Ali. Well, again, knowing how our minds work, you say to yourself, okay, based on his looks, he's African-American. Based on his name, he's Muslim. 
Now, the question I want to ask you is this. How would you react in this situation? And think about it for a moment. How would you respond? What would you do seeing this man that's standing by himself across the room? Well, can I tell you how most of us would respond? Um, I think that most of us would keep our distance. I mean, that's the way that many of us respond when a visitor comes to church. And, and I don't mean that. I know that came across rather, rather, rather harshly. But most of us, uh, you know, we're not outgoing. And so if we see a visitor, you know, a stranger, we don't feel co- comfortable going up to a total stranger. And especially if someone is of another race and religion. So I think I'm safe by saying that most of us will probably never take a few steps across the room to engage this man in conversation. Now, just hold that fictitious story in your mind. Let me tell you the story that was in this book I read a few years ago. This one is a true story. A man that we'll just call Jerry was at a business slash social gathering in the Deep South. Jerry was enjoying the casual chit-chat of friends and business associates. But as Jerry looked around, he happened to see a tall African-American man. When he found out this, that this man's name through some introductions, uh, he, he assumed, and it was a correct assumption, that this man was a Muslim. And let me just let this African-American Muslim tell you about himself. I quote from the book. I've been a Muslim my whole adult life. Being an African-American Muslim in a southern city and being in the profession that I'm in, it's not always been easy. In the profession I have, I'm in, we have a lot of evening events. And the natural course for me at these parties is that I get some appetizers. I try to make business contacts in the room. Inevitably, I wind up standing alone at most of these gatherings until enough time has elapsed. And I feel like I can gracefully make an exit. This whole dynamic is just something I've learned to live with. Well, on this night, at this particular gathering, as usual... There were different groups of people talking, laughing, engaging in conversation. But as usual, this African-American Muslim found himself with a plate of food in his hand, standing all by himself. That is until Jerry, who was across the room chatting with people of his own color and of his own kind, noticed this man that was all alone and He excused himself and took a few steps across the room and shocked this Muslim man, stuck out his hand and introduced himself to him. Well, from there, the conversation seemed to unfold naturally. They talked about their careers. They talked about their families. They talked about sports. But eventually the issue of faith and religion came up. Now, the Muslim feared that at this point in the conversation, there would be an unfavorable reaction. I mean, that's what normally happened. But he took the risk and told Jerry that he was a Muslim. Well, Jerry answered back and said that he was a follower of Jesus Christ. And Jerry went on and told him, you know, truth be told, I I know almost nothing about Islam. I wonder if you would give me the courtesy sometime, maybe over breakfast, of giving me an overview of your faith. I would like to know why you committed yourself to Islam. The Muslim man was blown away. What a shock to see a Christian in a social setting operating with such openness. 
Well, the two men agreed to meet for breakfast the following week. And the conversation that ensued was incredible. The Christian man felt free to ask questions about Islam. And the Muslim man felt free to answer them. That meeting led to another meeting the following week. And another one after that. And another. For several weeks, these two men got together over cups of coffee. Well, at some point in this this series of breakfasts, an interesting thing happened. The Muslim man realized that this Christian had been a good listener and seemed to have a genuine interest for him. And allow me to just let this Muslim man give you the rest of the stories that was told in this book written by Bill Hybels. I really didn't remember that much about the Christian faith. I'd been a Christian at some point in my childhood. Very interesting. But the racism in our community had infiltrated my family's church. Eventually, we just left the faith altogether and joined the Muslim community. It doesn't take a genius to know when you're not wanted. But for some reason, I was prompted during one of our breakfast meetings to say, you've been such a good listener all this time. Would you be willing to refresh my memory on the Christian faith? From there, it all happened so easily and respectfully and sensitively. And to make a long story short, many months later, this is this Muslim man saying this, I committed myself to Jesus Christ. And it's made an unbelievable change in my life. But listen to this. I'm part of a local church now. And I can't tell you the difference this whole thing has made in my life and in the lives of all my family members. How did it begin? By a man that took just a few steps. Now today we begin this series. And, and I'm really hoping that you'll be back next week. Because we're going to just be building on different principles here. But, but, but we begin this series to help motivate us to stretch out a hand. To a person who is destined for a Christless eternity. And give him the single greatest gift we could ever give. Which is an introduction to Jesus Christ. Let's take a closer look at what it means to just take a few steps. First of all, it involves a willingness to enter the zone of the unknown. Now, I want you to think with me for a moment as we analyze what happened here. And we're going to be reading some scripture tying this in. But Jerry, a follower of Christ, was in a social setting and standing in what we'll call his comfort zone. Now, we all have our comfort zones. I have my comfort zone and, and, and you have yours. And our comfort zone is, is generally with people of our color, our same social class, our church. We're comfortable there. But then Jerry looked across the room and saw someone who was standing alone. Now, remember this, this man was out of Jerry's comfort zone. He was of, of a different race. He was of a different religion. Not to mention that he had never seen him before and had really no reason to get to know him. But Jerry saw the man and decided to go introduce himself to him. Now, when Jerry rock, walked across the room, he entered the zone of the unknown because Jerry had no idea what would happen. You know, the, the comfort zones that we're in, they're risk-free. We, we know each other and, and, and yeah, somebody may zing us a little bit once in a while, but, but there's really little risk. But when we leave our comfort zone and go to the zone of the unknown, we don't know what will take place and Jerry didn't either. But Jerry took a few steps over to the man. Now, as Jerry took those first steps out of his comfort zone, let me tell you what I believe happened in the unseen world. Because we are, we're in a world where we see what happens here, but there is an unseen world. There is a spirit world. 
And let me tell you what I believe began to take place. I, I believe at that very moment, those first steps were taken, that the gates of hell began to shudder. I also believe that, that the angels in, in heaven began preparing banners to unfurl with the name of that Muslim man and his family. And even though it was a process, it didn't happen immediately. It took some time. It took several weeks and months. Yet they were preparing for the big moment when the family would cross the line of faith. And by the way, it's in the zone of the unknown where God often does his best work. Because that's where we give up control. You know, that's where we quit praying that prayer that I prayed so many times. And and God convicted me of it this week. But it's a prayer that we prayed. Dear Lord, I'm going to be doing this this week. And I ask that you would bless me as I do it. Anybody ever pray that prayer? That's a prayer of somebody that likes to hold on to things. Let me tell you a prayer that we pray when we give up control. Lord, what would you have me do today? What are you blessing? Because that's what I want to do. Well, that conversation in that zone of the unknown literally changed this Muslim man's eternity as as well as the eternity of his wife and children. And it all began again by just taking a few steps. Now, here's a question I want us to ponder. What would have happened to this Muslim man had Jerry not taken a few steps across the room? You know, we, we don't know. We don't know the answer. And I, I know that God is incredibly faithful. But you have to wonder if the Muslim man might have ended up in eternity without Jesus Christ. Just opened my heart to you this week as I was praying and preparing over this lesson. I, you know, I was thinking about this. I literally buried my head in my hands as, as I wondered how many times I stayed in my comfort zone instead of taking just a few steps to the unknown, to someone who needed me, to someone who needed Jesus. Listen to this quote that stopped me in my tracks. The day Christ followers like you and me stop taking walks across rooms, the day we stay glued to what is comfortable, we're in essence, oh, this got me, we're in essence snuffing the lights out for the kingdom of God here on earth. It's the slow defeat of the church. And here's my goal for this series. I'm just laying it out there. It's that the Holy Spirit would turn every single person here. Did you catch that? Every single person here into someone who is willing to just take a few extra steps. You know, regardless of our age, regardless of our personality type, regardless of our Bible knowledge, I believe the Spirit is asking you and me, all of us, to just take a few extra steps at at work, at school, at our kids' games, in the midst of our insane schedules, wherever, whenever. And may I even say, however. And I say this respectfully, but it almost seems that some of us who have experienced the undeserved forgiveness of God have somehow been infected with a bad case of spiritual amnesia. And we've forgotten how once I was lost. We've forgotten how we were all lost. We were sinners. 
And as that great sermon, we know we were sinners in the hands of an angry God if we didn't seek his mercy. And we've forgotten that. We've enjoyed warming ourselves by the glow of the Christian community, which had its place, but we focused all of our energies on people standing inside our circle. And, and we never acknowledge the lonely people standing across the room who desperately need a bridge to a God that loves them so much that he gave his only begotten son. And really, if we've made the choice to follow Christ, if we found him to be truth, if we found him to be joy, if we found him to be the only way to heaven, let me just stop. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? You don't believe that all roads lead to heaven, do you? It's only through Jesus Christ. He's the only way, the truth and the life. And and have you found following Christ to be full of peace and joy? then why would any of us use the cop-out and say, well, so-and-so probably isn't interested in knowing about this life-changing relationship that we can have with Jesus Christ? You know, if we've been, as as someone said, wrecked by grace, then maybe we need to crank, crank up our boldness meters and just take a few steps. This is the greatest gift that we could ever give. But there's a warning I want to give. That leads us to our second point. Just taking a few steps across the room and your own strength can be disastrous. You can do more harm than good unless you listen to the Spirit. And you know, the Spirit doesn't always map out the whole experience like your GPS does. I love the GPS where it'll give you turn by turn. In fact, if you want to look at the whole list of directions, you can do that. But sometimes the Spirit just gives you one step at a time. And furthermore, when you obey God's Spirit, it doesn't always work out the way you think it should. I, uh, several years ago in this church, there, 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 there was a small group of individuals, and they, they were wonderful people, but they were getting involved in some doctrinal error. And, and I just felt, you know, I felt like that God really wanted me to talk to them and and so I called a meeting and had spent a lot of time praying about it and, and, and got into it. And, and, you know, I was very kind and loving, but yet I, I felt like I was being firm. And, you know, the people, they got mad and they walked out of the meeting, left me alone. <laughs> and I was like shaking my head afterwards. I thought, Lord, I, I, I really believed I was following your leadership. Now, now that story had a good ending later on, but... Don't be devastated if it doesn't turn out the way you envision because the person that you're dealing with might not get saved on the spot. You know, sometimes we hear about people, I mean, they're just tremendously gifted and, and they're going to the airport. They, t- they take a cab from the hotel and they, uh, they lead the cab driver to the Lord. They get to the airport and the, the, the gate agent there, they lead them to the Lord. They get on the plane and they start winning people to the Lord and pretty soon you've got a flying church and everybody knows Jesus by the time the plane lands. And and, and, you know, we hear stories like that and, and we begin to think, well, I don't have it. I just don't have it. I don't have the right training. I don't have a quick mind. I'm too shy. I, I don't have what it takes. If you're in that camp where you believe you don't have it, I assure you I can relate. Growing up as an incredibly timid and backward person that moved so many times and was in so many different schools and never had an opportunity to really get my roots down. Um, I know what it feels like 
to be absolutely petrified to take a few steps across the street to talk to someone about the Lord. But, but here's the underlying reality. Following the whispers of the Spirit is the most fulfilling place to be. And those times that I forced myself to take a few steps for someone after I've quit shaking in my boots and, and been able to catch my breath. A sense of fulfillment has come over me as never before. I love being used by the Holy Spirit. And there have even been several times, and it's kind of shocked me because I'm not very good at this, but people still came to know Jesus Christ in spite of what I did and said. Now, just as a matter of clarification here, before we go to the last point, what I hope you'll discover is that over the next few weeks is that we're not trying to get you to march to some new orders for the church. You know, God forbid that we as a church would begin just throwing out orders and you know, this is not the church telling you to do more. And this is not Joe Trussell telling, you know, trying to guilt you into bringing more people to our church. It's not about this local church. Far from it. What this really is about is helping all of us become aware of how the heart of God beats through us as we listen to the quiet and gentle whispers of the Holy Spirit. Lastly, there comes a time to just walk. You know, you can plan, you can study, you can talk until Jesus comes and not do anything. So there's a time to just walk. One of the most dramatic illustrations, and we're really getting to the heart now of our lesson, and my time is about gone, but during Christ's time on earth, in John chapter 4, some of you will recognize that scripture, Jesus and his disciples had been traveling by foot, Quite a distance, several hours. They'd come to a well just outside of town. These men are hot, they're hungry, thirsty, probably even a little bit irritable. Well, they see a woman standing by a well. We learn later that she had been through five marriages and five divorces. And she was now living with someone who was not her husband. You know, in, 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 in highly spiritual terms, uh, that's what you would call having a lot of tread worn off your tires. <laughs> Just saying there. But as they see, they, they see this woman, the disciples pretty much ignore her. They're tired. They just want to grab a bite to eat and get out of there and rest. Uh, you know, she was a Samaritan. She, she was kind of like a Jewish half-breed. So these guys are thinking, let's get to town, grab something to eat, get off our feet. But all of a sudden, Jesus shocks and even disappoints the 12 disciples. He pulls out of the comfort zone that he's in with his disciples, because that's the comfort zone. Friends, you know. And he takes a few steps over to the woman. Now, in doing this, Jesus wasn't just taking a few steps across the sand, but he was walking across gender and and racial and a cultural divide. He was even trespassing across man-made religious restrictions. And he started a conversation with this woman, this half-breed he wasn't even supposed to make eye contact with. And he let the conversation evolve from seemingly innocent topics such as drawing a cup of water from the well to something much deeper in nature. And, you know, he called it living water. Let me just read it for you in John chapter 4, verse 13. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. 
The water I give will be an artesian spring within gushing fountains of endless life. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. So I won't ever have to come back to this well again. And of course, she didn't quite understand what was going on there. Well, the scripture says that she left the well and, and she ran into town and, and dragged her friends and family back out there telling them that they've just got to come and, and meet this guy who, who somehow mysteriously knew she had been married five times, divorced five times, and was shacking up with somebody that wasn't her husband right then. Yet he treated her with respect and showered her with something called grace and for the next two days all of the people hung around and the bible says that many people from the town became followers of christ during that time why because one man took a few steps across the sand to someone living far from god And, and here's the picture I want to leave with you. Um, imagine 15 or 20 years later. And, and just try to picture this in your mind. This is very interesting. 15, 20 years later, when all the kids and grandkids of this family are sitting around. And, and you know, with all of the marriages she had been through. <laughs> uh, can you imagine all of the half-brothers and sisters? And, but maybe one of them pipes up and says, hey, hey guys, I was just thinking about something last night. Where do you suppose we can trace our Christian heritage back to? Where, where do you think all of this started? Well, it would be traced back to a patch of sand by a well where Jesus left his circle of 12 friends and said, I'm going to take a few steps for this woman who desperately needs help. Now, as we close today, I want you to think about how you wound up in the kingdom. How did you come to know Christ? You think about it. Maybe as a mom or dad or co-worker, friend, teacher, whatever. I imagine... Uh, you have a pretty high level of respect for them, don't you? And here's your assignment this week. You didn't know you were going to have homework this week, but you are. This week, I want you to go to a prominent place. Whether it's Woods Grocery Store or Walmart or 3M. And I want, to, I want you to tell 20 people that Jesus loves you and you better turn or you're going to burn. No, not really. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Don't do that. But here's your assignment. I would like for you to take uh, the postcard that was in your bulletin. It looks like this. And I would like for you to write a note of gratitude to the one who took a few steps for you. You know, if you're no longer in touch with them, maybe they've passed away. Uh, think of someone in your mind uh, who, who is a wonderful example of just a few steps person. And, and, and would you take this postcard and write a note to them, encouraging them 
to continue taking those steps to impact people who are headed towards a Christless eternity. And, and I want you to address it and stamp it. And then I want you to pray like crazy as you go to the mailbox and ask God to make you, you, the kind of person who will receive similar postcards from people who have come to know Jesus. And I may actually ask you if you completed your assignment next week. Can I close with just a few lines from this book by Bill Hybels? And I want you to see how this hits you. Jesus Christ knew that fulfilling his redemptive mission would be excruciatingly difficult, risky, and seemingly fruitless for us at times. But if you will just persevere, he might say, the potential is colossal. Think about it. A priceless human being might be snatched from the clutches of horrendous, Christless eternity because of your work. And he goes on and says, so go. Go right now. Sow the seed. Take the walk. Leave what's comfortable for that which is eternally significant. Risk your life for this. And know that you will never, ever regret your decision. And I want to just kind of say the same thing to you in my version. Go. Go from the comfort zone of this building. Where you're with your friends that are going to heaven. Go. Take a few extra steps. And give someone the greatest gift you could ever give them. And that is an introduction to Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, first of all, I just want to thank you for stirring my heart. Lord, forgive me and forgive us for those times that we've been so cliquish and churchy and judgmental and holier than thou and Lord we fail to engage in conversation we fail to be salt and light with those that may be a little, dip, little bit different that might live in a different part of town or have a different socioeconomic class than we do Lord forgive us but Father I pray that this week I pray that you would begin tearing down the walls I pray that you would begin cranking up our boldness meter. I pray that you would begin preparing divine encounters. Lord, where we would see people that, not just as people that are standing alone, but we would see them as never dying individuals. Lord, that we would get a glimpse maybe of the suffering that goes on in hell and that we would understand why you gave your life. It's to rescue them. And Lord, sometimes we're so callous, so we're so uncomfortable, we're so comfortable with status quo. Lord, I just pray that this week you would open doors. Father, I pray that this week we would get out of our comfort zone, that we would go into the zone of the unknown and Lord, you've told us that whenever we appear before councils, that you will give us the words to say. And 
God, I ask that you would do something extraordinary for us over the next few weeks. Lord, that you would let us leave our traditions behind. That, Lord, that we would leave our comfort zone behind and we would go into the zone of the unknown to be used by you. And Lord, I ask that you would prepare those people. Would you prepare their hearts? So that, Lord, whenever we approach them, not only have you prepared us and given us a passion and a love for them, but they would be open to it. Lord, I pray that you would just begin to open up a a harvest for us as a church. Lord, would you give us a passion for our friends and loved ones and give us a passion for those whom we don't even know. And Lord, I pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done with these individuals. And so Lord, right now, I believe that, I believe I need to just commission these missionaries. And Lord, right now, I want to just commission them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as they go out from here, that they would go so full of the Holy Spirit, so full of the presence of God, that they would see Jesus written all over their faces. And Lord, when you give saved souls, we're not going to take honor and glory ourselves. We don't want it to come to this church or the staff or anybody here. We just want to say, thank you, Jesus. It's all because of you. And so, Lord, right now, We go in the name, in the power, and in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we've asked it in the strong, mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all of God's people, once again said, Amen. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, go take a walk in the name of Jesus. You're dismissed. Thanks for coming. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.